Are you ready for some football? He talks green and gold. This is the Huddle with Bill Michaels. Good evening and welcome. We are broadcasting live. We're at DJ's Goalpost. We're in Menominee Falls. That's where you can find us. And uh, this evening we are uh, we're hanging out as waiting for the uh, the Great White Death to get here. <laughs> it's, it went from 30 inches to 17 inches to 3 to 5. I don't know. It might get a little wind. Maybe it's going to be snowy, break a fart, something like that. Who knows? But uh, regardless, we're waiting for it to, to happen. As everybody's anticipating, it's funny because I got a whole group of teachers over here, and they said, they called us. We're all off tomorrow. So they came out to the show tonight, and they said, we could drink. So I, I, I guess teachers are rejoicing everywhere, the fact that uh, they're they're off school tomorrow already. But anyway, that being said, uh, the Green Bay Packers are not off. Uh, we're going to hear from Matt LaFleur. Uh, hopefully hear from Aaron Rodgers. Got Mike Clements coming up tonight. Grant Bills, the, the uh, Wisco Sports Show, is going to be joining us this evening. Uh, it's the second straight year and the fourth time in franchise history that the Packers are going to play on Christmas. It's going to be the first time the Packers are going to play on the road on the holiday, though. And the Packers have won four of the last five matchups with the Dolphins, including the last time they played, which was a 31-12 victory back in 2018. That was at Lambeau. As they say, throw the records out the window. Why? Because this team has been, for the most part, abysmal this season. The defense has been inept. The offense also inept. And now it seems like maybe there's a little bit of life. After starting off so incredibly poor, the Green Bay Packers do see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. And for the most part, if they win out, you would assume there's a couple of losses out there for the Commanders and also for the uh, Seattle Seahawks that could ultimately put the Packers in the postseason. But as we all know, the Green Bay Packers have not played well consistently, and the last two teams they have beaten have sub-500 records, that being the Bears and the Rams. Uh, In the meantime, Aaron Rodgers seems to feel like the offense is getting better. He also feels like the weapons are getting better. Romeo Dobbs specifically is back, and he was kind of a first-down machine in the game the other night on Monday. And uh, you also have Christian Watson, who can be a deep threat, then you have the old reliable in Randall Cobb, the the good route runner in Alan Lazard, and don't forget that the offense uh, really kind of goes as the uh, the running back goes, and that is Aaron Jones, who is running the ball well and feels healthy. He says his ankle feels as good as it's felt in a long time. And then A.J. Dillon, who uh, left the game on Monday night with a mild concussion-like symptom, but was the very next day cleared to play. So... It looks like he's good to go, and that was good news. The offensive line has been pretty much intact. You're waiting for David Bakhtiari to return. Uh, Probably, I would say, not another week or two or about another week or two before you're going to see him back, but who knows? Maybe maybe things uh, work out a little bit quicker than that. But then again, with David Bakhtiari, it could could very well be another month before we see him back. So we'll we'll see, uh, you know, as he comes back from an appendectomy. But... Uh, welcome anyway. Good to have you on board tonight. If you want to get a hold of us, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. You can also hit us up uh, over on uh, the Bud Light live stream, as many of you are watching there. You can catch us uh, on YouTube, catch us on the Facebook fan page. You can also track us down over on Twitter, at Bill underscore Michaels, at Bill underscore Michaels, or at Ben Z. Kenny over there as well. A um, couple of pieces of news to note. We're going to get into the rest of the NFL 
uh, as well coming up here in a little bit. But Miami leads the regular season series between these two teams, 10-5, to and won the, the first eight games between these two franchises. Uh, but Green Bay has won five of the last seven contests. Uh, the Packers 9-5 and five in the state of Florida in the months of December and January. They're 1-1 one one at Jacksonville, 0-1 oh at Miami, 8-3 and three at Tampa Bay. So they have yet to win in Miami, uh, and they've only played one other uh, time down at Hard Rock. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, in quarter uh, back, Aaron Rodgers has started three games against the Dolphins, leading the Packers to two wins, including an 84-and-a-half passer rating with a TD and interception in his first game against Miami back in 2010. He's gone uh, on the record to ratings of 99.7 and then 112.1 in the next two games that he's played. So playing the Dolphins, you know, again, I can give you all the statistics. We can talk about, you know, numerous things when it comes to this matchup between these two teams, but the big matchup in this game is not necessarily Aaron Rodgers against that Dolphins defense, but it's more so the Dolphins and their offense with uh, Tariq Hill and Tua and Mostert. The last time we really saw Mostert, he was running all over the Packers' defense uh, out in San Francisco in an NFC Championship game. If you remember, he racked up 200-plus, 240-plus yards in that ballgame, as a matter of fact. And uh, the Green Bay Packers defensively have their work cut out for him. Now, the one thing to remember is that uh, Miami, when they lose, they lose. I mean, uh, it's it's they don't have a lot of close losses. They put up uh, points in the mid to low teens, and they give up 30 the Packers, over the last five games, have averaged 26.6 points per game, which is sixth best in the National Football League over the same period of time. They have risen from 18.3 points per game that they were averaging by week nine of this season. So over the last five weeks, the offense has started to click. Uh, we did see on Monday night the defense with a lack of missed tackles, which was a good thing. And you saw them get after the quarterback. Five sacks, as a matter of fact. Uh, on Baker Mayfield, and they pressured him, statistically speaking, and, and via technical from the NFL, nine times. I had counted 11, but <laughs> excuse me. regardless, they got after the quarterback, and the pressure was there. So we'll see if uh, Joe Barry is able to continue to dial a few things up, bring pressure from different area, and, and then also if guys can just kind of get home on their own as well. Uh, but that's really going to be the matchup between these two teams as to whether or not this Packers defense can shut down that uh, Miami Dolphins offense. And because they, like I said, they have weapons, whether it's Jalen Waddell, uh, Tariq Hill. Uh, they've got a, a decent tight end, Mike Gusecki. Uh, Tua, obviously, is he, he was being talked about early on this season about could he possibly, you know, be an MVP this year and he started out pretty well they they lost a few games then they started winning and they lost a few then they started winning and now they're losing a few again uh and like i said raheem mostert um salvan ahmed is another one uh jeff uh wilson was uh one of their backups now he's been banged up uh so is river uh uh Craft as well and uh, he's one of their wide receivers he's been banged up but uh, this team, they go with Tariq Hill and Jalen Waddell and Tua, and those are the ones that do the damage. You would assume that Tariq Hill, if Joe Barry doesn't play that god-awful soft zone, uh, you would assume that Tariq Hill would be one-on-one with Jair, and Jair has been you know, talked to time and again about wanting the number one guy, so he should have his time to shine and then kind of go from there. But we'll see what it is that uh, Joe Barry and company want to actually dial up, if anything, against this group. Um, 
The uh, Michael says there certainly shouldn't be any heat issues in Miami. Yeah, it, the forecast uh, for there is like right around 55 to 60, the possibility of some showers uh, in the area. It's not going to be your typical 85-degree day with a heat index, and then uh, the Packers' bench side would be then in the sunshine the entire time. If anything, it's going to be like a uh, an October day uh, in Miami. It could be a little bit – it'll probably be a little more humid, but – probably a little bit cooler if there's a little bit of rain in the area it could make things slick and maybe a little more inclement weather maybe a little more to be honest with you a little more packer weather uh than it would be uh miami weather so uh we'll see but nevertheless uh, the green bay packers getting set to take on the miami dolphins uh so uh again we're going to talk to mike clements coming up here in a little bit we're going to hear from uh, matt lafleur coming up here shortly in just a couple of moments as well as he spoke to the media today so we're going to bring you that coming up here in just a few but we're at uh, DJ's Gold Post. We're uh, in, on Appleton Avenue in Menominee Falls and got here early. They got a big party in the back. I don't know if it's a baby shower or if it's a Christmas party. I saw a lot of kids' toys and people were bringing in diapers. So I kind of thought maybe it was a baby shower. But whoever it is, they got a ton of friends. There's about 30 people in the back. This place has been packed like this. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's not packed. This is a big place. So if you, uh, I'm going to show you a little bit around real quick. But this is a big place. And that's uh, just a portion of it. But the, the bar was maybe six people when I got here, and now it probably has about 15, 20 people all the way around to the opposite side of the bar. And then in the back, and a ton of pool tables. I think they got about, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, about six to eight pool tables in this place. So it's a cool place, really neat. Uh, but nevertheless, um, in the back where the party room is, a lot of pizzas, a lot of food, and a lot of hooting and hollering going on back there. So uh, hopefully if you come out, you can still, I mean, you can find a table, you can find some food, but... Holy mackerel, you go, you're go. you part of that party back there. They're eating well. I'll tell you that right damn now. And if it is a baby shower, whoever the mama is, uh, that kid's eating well tonight, <laughs> too. Pizzas and sausage and pepperoni and everything else. Um, this is from Anthony who says, you know, hey, if the Green Bay Packers do get a win, do you then become a believer? I, I live in the reality that is, okay? They dug themselves a hole, an ugly hole. Can they, can they win out? I think the likelihood of it is almost nil. But we, we've we seen it happen before when they weren't supposed to win out, and it did, and, and they did. Uh, I'm not going to go with the relax, and I'm not going to go with the run the table, and I'm not going to do the comparisons to 2010 because those teams aren't walking through the door. But could the Green Bay Packers uh, get a win in Miami? Certainly they could. And if Tua doesn't have a good game, the Packers don't turn the football over, you, get, you take advantage of a couple of turnovers, you get up early, you allow the defense to kind of pin their ears back, much like we saw on Monday night, certainly. This team could end up maybe getting a, a win in Miami. I think that would make a lot of believers out of a lot of people. Then they would have to turn around and get a win over the Vikings. Not an easy task. But could they? Sure they could. The next question is because most of the people, uh, when you look at the percentages in Vegas, say, well, if the Packers get the next two wins, then their percentage to win against uh, the Detroit Lions goes up to, I think it's like 58% or 63%, something like that. The Lions are one of the hotter teams in football right now. The Lions have kind of figured it out, and they're feeling it. I mean, they got to the man's man and Dan Campbell, who was inspiring, who was chanting, who was high-fiving, who was just all over it enthusiastic-wise with this Detroit Lions team. And they're they're doing a lot of what we thought they would be doing at the beginning of the season. Meanwhile, it's it, it's it's like it's like in Green Bay right now. They have pep in their step, but they're not sure if they should believe or not. You know, I know Aaron Rodgers says, hey, it's starting to feel different. But it's like they're not sure if they should start believing 
and what they can do. Um, you know, like I said the other night uh, on Monday, I thought, you know, in that game, had they, you know, had they, they not given up that six-play, 55-yard drive late in the ball game to allow an additional six on the board for the Rams, if that, that defense would have put that emphatic stamp on Baker May, don't get me wrong, they only gave up 12 points. That's a hell of a night at the office if you're a defender. But you really wanted to see that, that emphatic stamp to say, nah, not going to do it, not going to give it up, not on us. We're going to become the defense that many people think we should be. And they didn't do that. So I got my trepidation a little bit as to whether or not the Packers are going to be able to, to really uh, pull this one off in Miami. But... You know, you and I, we woke up today and we had some hope, right? Let's do this. We're going to step away. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to hear from Matt LaFleur a little bit earlier today, catch up on what he had to say. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, going to get back at it. we got Grant Bills today. we got Mike Clemens today. We're going to have a good time. DJ's Goalpost out here in Menominee Falls on Appleton Avenue. Stop in and say hi. Stay tuned. we got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show, and it's brought to you by our friends at Bud Light, the official beer sponsor of the Bill Michael Sports Talk Network. We'll be back right after this. Here we go. This is the Huddle with Bill Michaels. You got to keep the focus right in front of you. Certainly, if you look at the totality of it, all three teams are really good football teams. And so I don't want to get too far in front of ourselves and just want to be the best that we can be each and every day, each and every game. And that starts with Miami. I do. Yeah, I do. I do. Now we're going to play three uh, better football teams, but uh, I do. Definitely. Can you win out? Rodgers, do you believe it? I do. I do. That's what he had to say. And Aaron Rodgers talking about the possibility of this team winning the rest of the way. Uh, three left on the docket. You've got Miami, you've got the Minnesota, and you've got Detroit. Welcome back to the program. It's the Bill Michael Huddle. It's brought to you by our friends at Bud Light. They're the official beer sponsor of the Bill Michael Sports Talk Network. And we are DJ's Goalpost. We're out here in Menominee Falls on Appleton Avenue. That's where you can find us. Terrific place. Great food. And uh, just a, a good group of people that are in here as well. Saw some, like I was tell, telling you earlier, we saw some teachers and stuff, and they're pretty excited that uh, they already have uh, had school called off tomorrow, so came out tonight to enjoy themselves. Come on by and say hi. Still plenty of room if you want to come out. Uh, Matt LaFleur meeting with the media just a little bit uh, earlier this afternoon. Let's take a listen to what he had to say. There you go. That was Matt LaFleur from a little bit earlier today. Not that not that long ago, as a matter of fact. Uh, he spoke this afternoon just because they backed up some practice because uh, of the uh, the short work week. That was the reason they did what they did uh, because Monday night, obviously, they played. Tuesday, they came in, started cramming, going over the film from Monday night, started getting ready for, for uh, the practice today and uh, obviously getting ready for Miami. So there you have it. Let's do this. When we come back, Mike Clemens is going to be joining us uh, in Green Bay. We'll talk with Mike about the, the short turnaround, the Packers getting ready for a Christmas Day game in Miami. Stay tuned. We are broadcasting live at DJ's Goalpost. We're out here in Menominee Falls on Appleton Avenue. If you want to swing by and say hi, stop in. Obviously, you can see there's still some tables, plenty of room. Come on out. We'll be here until 8 o'clock tonight uh, bringing you the Bill Michaels Huddle, brought to you by our friends at Bud Light, the official beer sponsor of the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. We'll be back after this. This is the Huddle with Bill Michaels on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Yeah, I think they hired some really good coaches, and I think they acquired some really good talent. And you can see, certainly, they add a lot of speed to their roster. It always helps, certainly, when Tua's playing the way he is. He's had a heck of a year so far, and, you know, I got a lot of respect for what they've been able to accomplish in a short amount of time. Mike Clemens joining us as uh, we hear 
Matt LaFleur talking about Tua and company. We're broadcasting live the Bill Michaels Huddle. We're live out here at DJ's Goalpost. they got a, a party going on in the back, man. They're hooting and hollering back there. I don't know what kind of party it is, but I know when I get off the air, I hope they're still around. But in the meantime, uh, we got Mike Clemens joining us. And, Michael, uh, first of all, thanks, man. Thanks for joining us on a Wednesday night as always. You bet. Um, it sounds like you're having, uh, you guys are having fun down there. We just, I mean, five minutes ago, I just got done talking to Aaron Rodgers with about five or six reporters left. We waited. You know, there was this, this thing that came up during the broadcast on Monday Night Football where Troy Aikman said, yeah, you know, apparently, uh, you know, the players didn't really have these meetings with the coaches where they went over some of the film uh, of the practice, and they, they just started doing that. I mean, I can't imagine everybody doing anybody doing that. And so today, Mal LaFleur said, okay, that came from me in the production meeting, and maybe I didn't explain it clearly. He said, we have like eight different meetings where coaches and players are together, and they're going over film, either it's game film, maybe it's practice film, maybe it's of the opponent, and we decided that, you know, during the during the five-game losing streak, you know, we're missing things on Wednesdays. We're not getting things installed cleanly, fast enough, particularly with some of these later players. So somebody suggested it. might have been Rodgers. I mean, Rodgers has, has done this in the past. He did it with Mike McCarthy. He said, how about right after Wednesday, we go right over the tape then. So we make those corrections right away so that it's cleaner on Thursday and 100% better on Friday before we run it on Sunday. So so for us, they have this practice, and then they, they open up the locker room, and it's empty. And we'll, we've been standing around there sometimes 45 minutes, and then all of a sudden you start to see special teams trickle in, and then defensive guys come in, and then all of a sudden about an hour, mm-hmm. hour and a half later, you see Jordan Love walking in, and you say, okay, get ready, here come the quarterbacks. And then in, in comes Aaron Rodgers. So here's Aaron Rodgers talking to the media till about uh, 6.30 tonight. Uh, and that's just a change. But they, the, the Packers, and frankly some of the media here, they're pretty ticked off about uh, uh, stories that they've been sort of twisted. Like pro football talk took that story from Aikman and just really ripped the Packers, and it was really inaccurate. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the guys who cover the team every day, They think that makes them look bad, like, well, how come you guys didn't have that story? Same thing with the Aaron Rodgers story about, you know, uh, signals and how they're taught to players and that kind of thing. So there's some folks out there that are looking for clickbait that, uh, you know, the guys that actually cover the team say that's wrong and and stop making us look bad. And, you know, people are angry when nothing else better to do than to complain on Twitter. You there? Yeah, I'm. I'm sorry. I'm here. I, yeah. Okay. I, one of the guys. I'm sorry about that. One of the guys that uh, you know. I, I was thinking you know, we were going to hear from Aaron Rodgers real quick, but Aaron Rodgers. One of the guys that uh, I believe was yesterday on the McAfee show, and we talked a little bit about it, where he had gotten that story about the hand signals and all that kind of stuff, and then it, it seemed like there was this uh, thought that this was some kind of an attack piece. And when McAfee went back and read it today on the air, it really wasn't. It was a bunch of guys on the record just basically explaining it's difficult sometimes. Rogers, you know, wants things done a certain way. It talks about the hand signals uh, and, and all the different things that he goes through. It was just kind of an insight. So I get it that there's some stories that uh, Mike that are out there that seem like they're attacking. There's other stories that you know kind of are factual that some people take offense. I, I don't have, have have the Packers. 
And I don't mean the Packers overall. I mean everybody in that locker room and or maybe management. But is there a thin skin there, Mike? Sure, there is. Uh, and it, but usually it's a thin skin because they're very very guarded about their security and about sharing information. And that's the point that Rogers made yesterday. And I, and I'm not here, by the way, to defend the organization. I'm just trying to get to what I think is probably the truth. And I believe the truth of the matter is what Rogers actually said about this. He goes, okay, who are the sources that we're talking about? People that are actually quoted are Amari Rogers and Kylan Hill. Well, Kylan Hill got flat out cut after coming back from an ACL mm-hmm. and doing the rehab and standing there on the sidelines. LaFleur all but made it clear this guy's head was not where it needed to be. He was not game ready. And, you know, yeah, it's a shame that he, you know, blew out the ACL. He did a nice job with some of those returns, but he's not mentally ready. So the point is, if these guys are saying, well, gee, you know, we got these walkthroughs on Saturdays, and he's nodding and twitching and touching his shoulders and stuff, and I don't even know what that means. And Aaron Rodgers says, yeah, you know why? Because you're not going to touch the field. And the coaches don't want that information to be given to you because you're not going to be around here very much longer. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I, I will say this, and, and, and this is where I have to I, – I pause for a minute is because we heard it from Greg Jennings. We heard it from Jermichael Finley. We heard a little bit from Donald Driver, and then he walked it back some years later, uh, both about Aaron and about Brett. Uh, we've heard it from guys that have left there, and it's always, well, they're disgruntled, they're not here, we don't like them, they're mad at us. But nobody inside that locker room is ever going to say anything in any kind of derogatory light. You know, one story gets out, that's one thing. Four, five, six, seven, it starts to become a little bit where there's smoke, there's fire. Look, I think Rodgers is the ultimate competitor and one of the best quarterbacks ever. I just think that there's a lot of bigger fish to kind of fry right now than what it is about, you know, hand signal meetings on a Saturday. You know what I mean? Well, but this gets back to who Aaron Rodgers is. He plays at a five-story level of chess. It's not just one chess board. There's five or six different chess boards. He's playing five or six chess games at the same time. He, he, he's got 30 different signals. You know, he just thinks that this is every little edge that he needs to play his level of game. What he doesn't realize is, you know, he has to, frankly, play down to the IQs of fellow football players. And so just like mm-hmm. when Alan Lazard is standing there wide open and you throw the ball over his head because he didn't remember that if you're wide open, you're supposed to move downfield and I'll lead you. Well, Randall Cobb did the same thing. So, you know, it comes down to that. So part of this is who Aaron Rodgers, in fact, is. He gets very complicated about things. Uh, and he tries to be a nice guy, but he's also he's thin-skinned when it you know there's anything that gets out of the barn that uh, well you know he didn't tell me and all that well you know he tries to be a nice guy, but in fact he makes it pretty complicated to be around. So here's another one, here's another one, Bill. Um, I and I just asked him about this. He was going on some talk about you know where the Packers are, how they're doing in games, what it takes to win a game. And he said, you know, and then momentum is a factor. I mean, you know, football is an emotional game. And when you get a momentum swing, we get a big play. When you get a Keyshawn Nixon 52-yard kick return and the sideline goes nuts, that changes your team. That sparks a whole team. That, that invigorates a team. And physically and mentally, those players are now going to hit the field. 
and they want to follow up. You know, that's complimentary football. Mm -hmm. And so he said in the discussion, he goes, but, you know, you debate with some others in the organization that that don't believe in momentum, that there is such a thing. And I was like, well, what is he talking? I mean, could Brian Gutekind say that or Lafleur or – I mean, how can you how can you be any part of football and think that momentum doesn't make a difference? And so I asked him, I right. said, are you having an ongoing debate about this? Here's what he said. Momentum for sure. There's one one specific guy who I love who's thankfully in our room this year. And he, every time I mention momentum, uh, he tries to tell me that he never said that momentum wasn't real. Um, but I like to remember it that way. Uh, and uh, Connor Lewis... Uh, Oh, did I mention his name? Oops. <laughs> uh, he's one of my favorite guys in the organization and done a great job for us over the years, working uh, mostly on analytics for a long time. Any of those analytics computer guys, they believe in uh, what they call scientific concrete data. Um, but there's a feel out there. Uh, when the energy's moving, you can feel the, the momentum turn. And I think he's come around a little bit because every time I say that uh, he doesn't believe momentum, he tells me that's not what he actually said. <laughs> Interesting. And he's right because, uh, you know, you deal with it all the time with analytics guys. There's something that's tangible. They can see a statistic related to something specific. Momentum, uh, emotion, um, you know, home field advantage, energy, stuff like that. There, There is something that is there to that. But you can't you you can't quantify it. And it drives guys that are analytic driven. It drives them nuts, Mike. And listeners, I want you to pay attention. Remember that name, Connor Lewis, because this is a guy that was hired as an assistant a couple of years ago. I don't know how if he wants to get into coaching or remain an analytics guy, but I've found out uh, from actually LaFleur that when LaFleur is on the sidelines, he's not talking to Adam Stenovich, who's actually downstairs, or one of his other assistants, or Tom you know, Clements or anybody like that. The guy who is up in the box and looking at defenses and watching the clock and watching the replays and saying challenge or explaining a rule and anticipating the refs are going to call it this way, who knows the rule book inside and out, is Connor Lewis. That's the guy who's in Matt LaFleur's ear as a as helping with the game management spot in-game. That's an interesting quality to have, a great quality to have if you're a, a coordinator someday. Um, Mike, I, I want to go to what uh, kind of like the here and the now real quick, and that is the the season itself that's been somewhat, uh, I don't want to say saved, but, you know, they are averaging 26.6 points a game in the last five games. Offensively, things have begun to turn around for them. Uh, special teams are getting better. The defense this past Monday night played a little better. What What has been... I don't want to say a turnaround because the team's not anywhere near where it should be, but what has been better with this team? Finding ways to win eventually. They made plenty of mistakes again Monday night. And, you know, defensively, I went back and I, you realize that there's a lot of these games, win or lose, they're still giving up 300, 400 yards total offense, like even games that they're mm-hmm. close in, like the Bills. Now, the Bills scored early on them, but there's a lot of these other games where the Packers are maybe behind by a score or two. And then maybe eventually they win it, but they still give up so much yardage. Uh, And, you know, that changed dramatically on Monday night with a banged-up Rams team when the Packers' Green Bay had, you know, 37 minutes of possession. So we asked Rodgers that. I mean, 
what do you feel, you know, was your turnaround point where, you know, where it looked like the wheels were totally coming off, that maybe now here you actually have a path, a shot at making the postseason? I think the win against uh, Cowboys was really important for us. We lost five in a row, and many of them not very pretty. Uh, so that was kind of our first last stand, and that kind of reminded us we actually can win football games. Now we lost the next two, obviously, but winning changes everything. Uh, winning does a lot of great things. It can also gloss over a lot of things. You know, when you're winning for so long, uh, it can be a cure-all, uh, you know, kind of superficially, but sometimes it can mask some of the things uh, uh, that we need to kind of tidy up. And I think there was opportunities this year for us in the uh, humility of losing multiple games where we got to finally clean some things up that need to be cleaned up. And, um, yeah, we've obviously played a little bit better the last two weeks against bad teams. Um, now we got to play good against uh, three good teams. Mike, uh, before I let you go, so is the energy there? Rogers talked about energy, the things turning around, different feeling in the building. Do you feel it? Yeah, I, I think they they want to go down there. They love that forecast of Miami like you talked about the other day. It's, you know, in the 60s. Uh, we just had a great conversation with Keyshawn Nixon. I think the story you're going to see in tomorrow morning's papers is a detailed interview that we had with Keyshawn about as the returner and how patiently he waited week after week after week while we watched Amari Rogers muff punt after punt and now how he's taken on the role as the kick returner. That guy alone has been a spark that's added to the turnaround. Now, he was limited today. He's dealing with a little bit of a groin injury. Uh, otherwise, it, it looks like today's practice looked about like what you expected. Elton Jenkins arrested the knee and everything, but they're, they're, and A.J. Dillon's out of the concussion protocol. So they, it looks like it, and Aaron Jones has got uh, a knee injury. It looks like they got out of the game uh, Monday night, so they'll be healthy against a very good. This is an underrated Dolphins team, man. They've got a lot of weapons. Raheem Mostert, you know, the 49ers back is now with them now, and he's still running strong. And a lot of praise for Mike McDaniel as a new head coach and how he's turned around the Dolphins organization. Right. Good stuff, Mike. Appreciate it as always, pal. And uh, we'll talk again on Friday, okay? Yeah, a whole preview for you from both teams because uh, this is going to be a real interesting game on Christmas Day. There you go. Good stuff. Mike, appreciate it, pal. Mike Clemens joining us uh, up in Green Bay and uh, some more stuff to come. we got Grant Bills coming up after the top of the hour of the Wisco Sports Show. Going to talk about the rest of the NFL in about 45 minutes from now. Stay tuned. We're broadcasting live. We're here at DJ's Goalpost. We're in Menominee Falls on Appleton Avenue. Snow really hasn't, uh, from what I can tell, hasn't really started coming down too much yet. A little bit of blowing around, but that's about the extent of it. Come on out and say hi. Still plenty of room, and they got a good party going on in the back. So, <laughs> a lot of Bud Light flowing back there. We are brought to you by Bud Light, the official beer sponsor of the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. Stay tuned. we got more coming up after this. This is the Huddle with Bill Michaels on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Falls on Appleton Avenue and a good crowd here tonight. They got a bit of a party in the back. And what you're seeing on the Bud Light live stream right now is maybe a, a tenth of this place. 
uh, just because I don't have enough cameras to cover it all. It's huge. It's huge in here. But uh, got a good party going on in the back. Bud Light specials going on all over the place. They're giving away Bud Light tchotchkes here tonight as well. T-shirts, hats, uh, koozies, I don't know, Christmas gifts for people that are on your Bud Light uh, team, I guess. Might be the best way to put it. But that being said, come on out and, and say hello and and uh, and just want to... Uh, I want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas that uh, does come out here tonight. We saw uh, some school teachers out here, out here a little bit earlier. Uh, there was Mark. There was Marissa. Rick had swung by. Uh, also want to say hi to the gang that walked over here a little while ago. And uh, there was Dave. There was Bob. Uh, Bob Higby uh, had stopped by, and I wrote it down. It's Pat. Pat uh, was the other one that came over to say hi. So thanks to everybody for coming out and hanging out as being part of the program. And, uh, again, we're brought to you by our friends at Bud Light, the official beer sponsor of the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. Real quick, I want to go back to, and, and Ben was telling me this, uh, you know, instant messenger during the, the interview with Mike Clements, but uh, I know that there was some, uh, you know, the discussion about the uh, article in The Athletic, and, you know, they, they get a little upset about this, and they talk about people that aren't here anymore, Kylan Hill and Amari Rogers. Well, actually... Uh, there was Kylan Hill, Amari Rogers, Jordan Love, Randall Cobb, Romeo Dobbs, Sammy Watkins, Chris Blair, Equinemia St. Brown, Jay Sternberger, and Robert Tanyan, all quoted in the article. Nobody was hiding anything. It wasn't a rip piece on Rogers, and it wasn't, uh, you know, bad grapes or anything like that from somebody that left. They, it was just a piece on what it's like to be inside the walls of 1265 as Aaron Rodgers is trying to get everybody on the same page. That's it. Um, so that's why I asked Mike. I said, you know, look, is there, is there this, you know, is, is like anything written now, is it automatically considered a rip piece? Uh, and is it a rip piece until you actually read the article and then go, ah, this, you know? Um, so I, I just, I, that it's, it's like almost thin skin. It's like anything that's stated now, is there some kind of an attack? And there's not. Or maybe you're looking for it in some way, shape, or form. I, I thought to me it was more of a, a piece of, of self-help, you know, saying that there's a lot of guys in that locker room. you got to get everybody on the same page, and it's not easy. Uh, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, maybe, you know, you got to, you know, as he stated earlier this year, simplify things. you got to come down to people's level to raise them up. You don't just expect, to, expect them to be on your level. So it's it's there's things there that are a little bit difficult, uh, but I didn't think it was a bad piece by any stretch of the imagination. So uh, interesting perspective. Uh, let's do this. One hour down, one hour yet to go. Grant Bills of the Wisco Sports Show. He's going to be joining us when we come back. Stay tuned. Got a whole lot more of the Bill Michaels Huddle. We are brought to you by our friends at Bud Light, the official beer sponsor of the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. Stay tuned. We're going to be right back right after this. Are you ready for some football? He talks green and gold. This is the Huddle with Bill Michaels. Welcome back. We are live. We're at DJ's Gold Post. We are in Menominee Falls, which is where you can find us. We're on Appleton Avenue. And I want to say thanks to everybody that came out and hung out with us tonight. Also to the party going on in the back. And uh, we certainly appreciate uh, everybody kind of braving what is the beginning of the elements as uh, the winter storm 
is supposed to come rolling through here late tonight, into tomorrow, all the way through Saturday morning. So thanks for coming out and hanging out with us. And for everybody that's been told you're not going to work tomorrow that came out tonight, enjoy yourself. <laughs> enjoy yourself. Uh, let's do this. Let's go to our buddy Grant Bills of the Wisco Sports Show. At Wisco Grant over there on Twitter is where you can get his stuff. Grant, how are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing good, Bill. Did I did I miss the company wide email? Do we have tomorrow off? Because if that's the case, I'm going to the bar right now, and I'm I'm posting up tonight. I love drinking right? during the snowstorm. So yeah, I love the day off tomorrow. Yeah, I don't I don't mind it at all. It's it's a glass uh, it's a glass of bourbon or maybe a good beer and then a cigar downstairs. Ooh. Whatever sports happen to be on the tube and kicking back Ooh. and relaxing, and that's the way you prepare for Christmas as well. So that's that's not a bad way to go. Hey, um, so let, let, let me start first and foremost with you. Give me your thoughts, anticipation, optimism, such, going into this contest come Sunday, Christmas Day. Well, I realized today that this has the potential to be, like, maybe one of the only good NFL games this weekend. Go look at the slate. All of these games, and I, I think you guys picked the games later in the show, this is kind of a crummy weekend. It's a lot of Falcons and the Saints and the Rams and the Broncos, like, Packers-Dolphins might be one of the few bright spots if this is a good game. So I'm excited for it for that reason. Uh, the Dolphins are a fun team, so I'm excited. Uh, I'm really worried at what Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle might do to Joe Barry's defense. That seems like that there's some danger potential there. And Raheem Mostert, our old friend, who ran for over 200 yards on us in the NFC Championship game a couple of years ago, he's there too. So I- I'm excited because I think this could be a good game with two entertaining teams. I'm scared of what Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle might do to Joe Barry and Raheem Mostert. I, I feel like there's meltdown potential on the defensive side of the ball, and that scares me because that's embarrassing. And that happening on national TV on Christmas Day would – I mean, it would be an embarrassment for Packers fans. It would be an embarrassment for Jesus. It would, it would just be all bad all around. So I'm, I'd like to avoid that, but I'm scared. Uh, I wanted to ask you about this offense, and I had noted it today, 26.6 points per game over the last five games. Is this offense operating good enough to win the next three and get themselves into the postseason? I mean, if if they are, it will be their best stretch of the year, right? Because we've seen good games from this offense before, Bill. They've had good performances this year. They haven't been able to do it consistently, and they especially haven't been able to do it consistently against good teams. So if they can put up a solid offensive performance, and if the offense can lead the way against Miami and against Minnesota, and then I guess Detroit is Detroit. Who knows what the season might look like in Week 18 when that game is at Lambeau. But if the Packers put up a good offensive performance both this week and next, it'll be their best stretch of the year. And I'm not saying they're not capable of it, right? Their best stretch has to come sometime, and maybe you haven't seen their best stretch yet. It helps to have Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs healthy. Hopefully that duo only continues to get better, and hopefully they only continue – to grow together. A.J. Dillon is already out of the concussion protocol. That was short-lived, which is good. And I think this offensive line, as I talked about Monday or Tuesday, Bill, I think this Packers offensive line has settled into their reality a little bit. I think early on in this season, they were always wondering, well, is Bakhtiari going to play? Is Elton Jenkins going to play? What's the situation? It's always in limbo, right? And I think this offensive line room, and maybe this would be a good question for a beat reporter. I, I would be interested to hear these guys' perspective and, and the offensive line. Maybe Senevich could speak to this. I feel like at some point this year, the offensive line room just decided, we're just going to assume we're playing every week. We're always going to assume Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins are out, and we're going to operate under that assumption. And I think that's what they've done, and they've looked better as a result. So I think all the pieces are there. All the signs point to maybe this Packers offense 
playing their best ball down the stretch, but we haven't seen it yet. I can hope, right? I, I can look at the, the tea leaves, but we'll have to wait and see. The uh, the defense, uh, while it did play better on Monday night, it wasn't necessarily playing a juggernaut by any stretch of the imagination. So that being said, does this defense look good enough to at least come close to getting you there? Mm. Well, they have some nice pieces, right? We've realized that Quay Walker can be a player. I think Joe Barry needs to use him correctly and not ask too much of him, and we saw that on Monday night. I think Devontae Wyatt can be a nice rotational piece. And Enig Barre in Rashawn Gary's absence has been pretty nice, though. So those are some positives. Rudy Ford is much better than Darnell Savage, as we learned on Monday. Darnell Savage barely played. So, again, like with the offense, the pieces are there, right? And it could happen the next couple of weeks. Here's my kind of gauge for success this weekend, Bill. Can we avoid Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle running wide open, uncovered through the secondary? If we can avoid that, that's a win. Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle are really good. They're going to make plays, but let's make them make plays where they go and get the ball or they run away from someone. Not, oh, we forgot Tyree Kill is there and there's no one within 10 yards of him. Can we avoid that? Can we avoid a jailbreak? And the same with Raheem Mostert. He's a good running back, and the Packers are terrible at defending the run as always. So he's probably going to make some plays. Can we avoid giving up 10 yards a carry? If Joe Barry's defense can simply not be a jailbreak defense, and land a couple of pops and get to two a couple of times, I think they got a good chance this weekend. But if it looks like it did against the Eagles, where it's 10 yards to carry, or what it looked like against Justin Jefferson in week one, if Waddle and Tyreek Hill do that, then no, I don't think there's a chance. But I'm, I'm hoping that they can be a little bit better than that. Uh, I know Matt, Matt LaFleur had talked a little bit about it. He talked about, uh, you know, Keyshawn, and what he's done, Keyshawn Nixon, and what he's done in the return game. And, you know, when they talked about, well, he came on and, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't, and my whole thought was, what do you mean you don't know? How did you not know this guy? I mean, I put it this way. It didn't leave a lot of confidence for my thought as a head coach being good enough to spot talent. He just kept saying, I don't know. Yeah. You know, he just turned. How do you not know this guy with this ability is on your team? And instead you run out there, a guy consistently who's muffing punts and making mistakes. Well, you hit the nail on the head, Bill. Okay. I think you made a good point. It's not like the guy who was returning previously was any good. Right, it would be one thing if you had Keyshawn Nixon buried behind prime Percy Harvin. Oh, shoot, we didn't know we had another great returner on the bench. How are we supposed to know? Okay, that's understandable. But every week, Bill, they ran Amari Rogers out there, and they never considered maybe Nixon could do it. They never talked about it. Like, from week three on, Matt LaFleur, if I'm Matt LaFleur, I'm, I'm hounding Rich Bisaccia every week. I'm saying, look, I, I know you want to keep running Amari Rogers out there. I know you believe in him. Okay, who else, is, who else can we try? Because at some point, if this keeps going the way that it is, we're going to have to switch, right? It's not like they had him buried behind a great returner. They should have been looking for any reason to try anyone else at kick returner. I think they just got lucky and tried Nixon first. I, I think that's what, what happened. So I, I'm with you. Matt LaFleur has really, like, he struggles with his first choice. His first choice is usually the wrong choice. And I give Matt LaFleur credit. He owns up to making mistakes, and he corrects those mistakes. But sometimes, Bill your first choice needs to be the right choice. I'm all about learning by making mistakes and getting better. Sometimes we just need to be right the first time around. They had the wrong kick returner. I think they were starting the wrong offensive lineman from game one, and it took them too long to come around. I think that was an issue. 
uh, like all of a sudden on Monday night, we're okay with giving AJ Dillon the ball on fourth and short. That was a nice revelation. I would like to see that week mm-hmm. ago. Right. So there's all of these examples, Bill, of yeah, things that the Packers and Matt LaFleur have figured out, but it took way too long. And maybe if they would have tried some of these things or these lineup adjustments earlier, the Packers wouldn't be six and eight. Maybe they could have found another win or two and they'd be in the playoffs. I'll be on the edge rather than be the 10th seed right now. Uh, I want to ask you about uh, the offensive line. I want to go back to that. Uh, Zach Tom, is he making it easier for you to say, well, if they have to get rid of David Bakhtiari, they can? Or have we not seen enough out of Zach Tom yet to say whether or not that uh, $6 million savings would be worth it switching over to him? Well, here's the thing, Bill. I want a left tackle that's going to play. And it's nothing personal against David Bakhtiari. I understand he's got a tough injury. He's got his appendix out. Okay. I don't need an amazing left tackle, but I need one who I can build my offensive line around because I think the in and out and the willy wony and the uncertainty about Bakhtiari's availability, it affected everyone on that old line because we didn't know week to week what the line was going to look like. And there were other players and their positioning on that line that had their, their position contingent on Bakhtiari. I can't have that uncertainty. So Zach Tom, he might be good. He might be great. He might be poor. But you know what? If he's out there every week, that's a step up from what we had this year. I think it's also worth mentioning. Zach Tom has looked good. Yash Nijman has looked good. The offensive line has looked good the last two weeks. They've played the Bears, who have no one up front. They've traded away all their pass rushers. And they played a Rams team without Aaron Donald, right? So I I agree Mm -hmm. they've looked good. And I'm all about Zach Tom because he's out there. I need a left tackle that I can count on every week. But I'm not willing to crown any of these guys great players based on the last two weeks because the opponent hasn't been anything special. Talking with Grant Bills of the Wisco Sports Show. At Wisco Grant is where you can find him. Um, You talked about the play calling and running A.J. Dillon. It seems like the run game has become more prevalent, like they are now relying upon it more. One of the things that I've been talking about for a while, and what we saw in the game the other night was a little more play action as well. You know, I... I know we can always say, well, it's too little too late because obviously they haven't won anything and they're still chasing the ability just to get themselves into the postseason. But yeah. I, my, I keep asking myself, why did all of this take so long? What what was preventing Matt LaFleur or Rodgers or whomever was calling plays or, or, or doing thing offense? What, why did they just wait so long for this thing to start to unfold, I guess? That's what I'm talking about with Matt LaFleur is it, it – we got to take two or three wrong steps before we can take the right one with this guy. And again, it's a good thing to make mistakes. It's a good thing to learn from mistakes, but every once in a while, you got to get right the first time around. And that has been a problem for the Packers staff so far this year. Look, I also, you know, as the offense has looked better the last couple of weeks, Christian Watson's also been healthy and a guy with that speed and that size, a guy who's that much of a threat does help everyone else out. I know he's just a rookie. I know he's really green, but his gravity in the run game and his gravity for other players is huge. So I think the Packers have figured it out on offense slowly but surely as the season goes along, and I think they've improved. Yes, Bill, absolutely. I think having Christian Watson out there means so much to this team. So I think that's a big part of their more recent success as well. And they played some teams that aren't great. The competition last couple weeks has not exactly been stiff, but... Look, if this season was 20 games long, 24 games long, I'd feel great about this team getting into the playoffs because they, every other day they put a new piece of the puzzle together. It's just taking way too long. And I agree. If, if I was a, a Packers beat reporter, Bill, I would ask Matt LaFleur, 
why do you seemingly take so long to get to the correct decision, right? A lot of times it, they started the year with Jake Hansen and Royce Newman on the offensive line, Bill. Why, why did that take so long? Right. Right. Why did we keep running Amari yeah. Rogers out there? Why did why do we do all these things? I, I want someone to ask Matt Lafleur that, and they asked him the other night about um that thing that Troy Aikman said. He got a little testy. That was a little odd, but yeah, I'm with you. It takes too long for this team, and that's been a big problem, and it's probably cost them a win or two this year. I was uh, we were talking about that earlier with Mike Clemens about uh, you know they get testy behind the doors. Do you think that I, I have? Uh, it's a professional football team, and it seems like. There's so much that they get upset out outside the walls of 1265. I, there's this thin skin. I, I don't know how else to put it, but, you know, Matt LaFleur going back uh, to when they were going over to London certainly seemed to take offense to some questions. He took offense to a question about Joe Barry's defense saying, really, I think I have to answer this after one game when it's been an entire season. I, 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 my question is, I think they take their, their cues from their leader or leaders are, are the oh, leaders yeah. too thin-skinned in Green Bay? That's a great question, Bill. And I, I very much ascribe to the idea that, you know, the players take on the voice of their leader and their leadership. And that's why during London week, I'm like, Matt, all you do is bitch about this trip. You were going to sour all of your guys on this trip. We saw this with the Brewers, right? Remember back in April and in May, Bill, when Craig Kelsey kept talking about, man, we got another three-team three-city road trip, and then you started to hear the players talk about it. That stuff trickles down from the, the voice of the team, which with the Packers is LaFleur and Rodgers, and I think that stuff matters. I, I don't know if it's a thin skin, although I think the quarterback is fairly thin-skinned, so that might be a part of it. I, I don't know. I, I just think, I don't know. The questions have been harder for Matt LaFleur this year. I, I don't know if he's more thin-skinned than he has been the last few years. I think he's had to answer to a lot more criticism, and I'm sure that impacts how the press conferences have felt and the vibe around some of the questions, they've been harsher questions. So I think that elicits a harsher answer. But I'm with you. I think the quarterback certainly is thin-skinned, and that leads to some awkward interactions, and I think that trickles down to the rest of the team, absolutely. Defensively speaking, uh, very few missed tackles on Monday night. It looked like a more aggressive defense. Uh, I'm not saying that's the way they're going to play, and obviously they were playing consistently against a rather poor offense in the L.A. Rams, but they did pressure them and sack them five times, pressure nine-plus times. Give me your thoughts on the defense, the progress, and what you're seeing, and if this defense, I'm not going to say plays like that, but has just enough to sustain, how much better do you think this defense really is? Hmm. Well, it sucks not having a strong carry bill like that. That puts a ceiling on this team without that elite piece up front to get after the quarterback. I mean, look at look at the difference Von Miller made for the Bills this year. And I'm not comparing your Sean Gary to Von Miller. That's not what I'm saying. But having that player who can get to the quarterback in a big moment and force a fumble or force a huge sack and, and, and really impact the game. The Packers really don't have that guy. Preston Smith can get to the quarterback and anything Barrios looks nice. But Rashawn Gary was the game breaker. And without him, they really have a ceiling. Now, unless Jair Alexander starts getting his hands on all sorts of footballs and starts, you know, creating turnovers, or Coy Walker starts peanut punching a bunch of balls out and enforcing turnovers, they really don't have big playmakers that can flip possessions and get the offense off of the field. I'm with you, though. I want this defense to play aggressive. If you get burned deep so well, it's better than getting paper cut to death over the course of a game. So if I'm going to go down, I want to go down right. swinging. I still think, like you said, you asked how good this defense can be. I still think there's a ceiling on this defense without Rashawn Gary. And that's a bummer. Joe Barry's got to find a way to coach through that and try to find a way to create 
flash plays and negative plays and forced turnovers without Gary. That's the job of a defensive coordinator. But that job is really hard. And like I said, I, I think this defense has a hard cap and a ceiling without Rashawn Gary up front. Good stuff as always, Grant. Appreciate it. And uh, do you have the Packers winning this weekend or, or not? Uh, no, because Raheem Mostert, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, any one of them can wreck a game, and this Packers defense loves to be wrecked, to put it plainly. So I, I don't trust Barry to keep all three of those guys in check. So for that reason, I wouldn't pick the Packers. I'm not saying they couldn't win. I do think something weird is going to go down in this game, Bill. You, you've watched enough sports in your life. You've watched way more than me. Packers yeah. at Miami, Christmas Day at New Year's. Something weird going down. A fake spike, a, a weird special team play, an onside kick, a fake punt. Something weird is going to happen in this game. Uh, but, no, I would not pick the Packers if I had to. Good stuff as always, bud. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Thanks, Bill. Have a Merry Christmas. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, you too. There you go. That's our buddy uh, Grant Bills of the Wisco Sports Show. You can get him at uh, at Wisco Grant over on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Uh, maybe, maybe there's some kind of a weirdness to this game because it's on Christmas Day. Who knows? Maybe it falls in favor of the Green Bay Packers. We are broadcasting live. We're at DJ's Goalpost. We're out here in Menominee Falls on uh, Appleton Road. If you want to swing by and say hi, there's still plenty of time to do so. They're doing some uh, Bud Light specials uh, that they're running tonight. They're giving away tchotchkes. As a matter of fact, they just gave away a bunch of shirts, koozies, hats, all kinds of good stuff, some NFL hats that were out here tonight as well. So you still have time to come by. The The snow is really not uh, – I'm just kind of looking out the window behind me. It's not too bad out. Not much going on. As a matter of fact, kind of quiet. So swing on by and say hi. We are broadcasting again live out here at DJ's Goalpost in Menominee Falls. We'll be back uh, right after this. This is the Huddle with Bill Michaels on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. show we continue on it's the huddle we are live out here we're at dj's goalpost uh, we're in menominee falls for those of you listening around the rest of the state of wisconsin on all of our network affiliates and on the zone app out of madison and uh, watching on the bud light live stream we certainly appreciate you hanging out with us uh coming up here bottom of the hour going to be talking with our uh, producer ben as uh, we get into the discussion of the rest of the NFL, we start to take a look around the rest of the NFL and start picking games that begin tomorrow night or on Christmas Eve and then obviously are on Christmas Day as well. One of the things that was, uh, that, that was interesting, and we were talking about the Packers and uh, the fact that over the last five weeks they're averaging 26.6 points per game, and which is one of the tops in the NFL. As a matter of fact, I think it's top six, top seven. Now, we were talking about that earlier today. But Aaron Rodgers talked about the offense, the need to score points, the need to average above that uh, per game. The question is, if they can get to, say, 27, 28 points per game on average, if this offense is capable of that against better teams, can the Packers win consistently? Do they have enough? We have seen what... Um, you know, Minnesota can do to a bad defense or a defense that decides not to cover or give them, you know, death by a thousand cuts. We have seen what Detroit can do. Uh, defensively speaking, they're solid. But, you know, when you think about it, the Packers really should have won that game in Detroit. It was not one, not two, but three different uh, picks in the red zone. Uh, one was a deep pass that ended up in the red zone, and the other two were red zone picks uh, by Aaron Rodgers. 
um, which was an uncharacteristic game for him. You know, and we've seen Miami where they've played really, really well, and then they've struggled. Now they're coming off of yet another hard-fought loss, but it was a loss. They've lost, uh, what, now three in a row in their last one against Buffalo in the cold and somewhat of the flurries uh, that were the other night, uh, you know, on Sunday night, or, or Saturday night, excuse me. So do we look at this and say, you know, maybe they're getting Miami at the right time? Um, you know, if you can get up early on the Vikings, especially at Lambeau Field in the cold, can you put the Vikings away? Can you can you work them into enough mistakes? And we saw what Kirk Cousins did to a, a rather poor, you know, Indianapolis Colts defense. Their defense is not great don't, or not terrible, but no, they're not great by any stretch of the imagination. Can you get a couple of picks? Can you get a couple of stops? Um, and then obviously, uh, you know, against Detroit, could they do enough to win? The question is, why not? Um, do I? Th- and again, I think I'd be remiss if I sat here today and said I had this load of optimism that they're going to be able to do it because I was somebody that declared probably three, four weeks ago, even after that Detroit game, that that's it. Packers are done. They, they played about as poorly as they could play. They've played better football since then, but they haven't won consistently since then. And the last two teams, for everybody that's pointing it out, the last two teams they've beaten, um, don't have many wins. They're sub-500 teams, and they're rather poor at best. So how good are the Packers? Well, we're going to find out on Sunday. But I, I asked the question earlier, do you become a believer if the Packers do pull off a victory? And the funny thing is the, the question began to resonate with people on Twitter and emails and such and, uh, and, and said, yeah, if they, if they win in Miami, then I'll be back on the Packers. Maybe they can do it bandwagon, but... Uh, there's a lot of people, a lot of people, betting people that don't believe the Packers are going to be able to pull off the upset down there. Uh, the other thing we were talking about with, with uh, you know, Grant Bills was, you know, Keyshawn Nixon. And Keyshawn Nixon, I, I'm not going to say he came out of nowhere. They, they knew what they had. They just didn't use him. And then when they finally gave him the opportunity after Amari Rogers is cut loose, then he went, oh, here's what I can do. And I know that Matt LaFleur had said something to the effect of, you know, he was asked, you know, boy, you had Keisha Nixon on your roster all this time. How come you didn't use him? I don't know. I don't know. You know, well, I, I don't know. And I'm thinking to myself the whole time, how did you not know? How do you not know that this guy was that good when you were scrambling for anybody? It's not like Amari Rogers was really good and he just wasn't going to allow anybody else on the field. How, how did you not know that Keisha Nixon had this ability in him and it may to be this good. It makes you question. It, it, it makes you question leadership, I guess, and the ability to evaluate talent. And you kind of wonder on this team, what do they believe in that is inept, and what do they not believe in that is actually pretty good? You know, it's 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 a little disconcerting. And I understand that, you know, Matt Lafleur and Brady Gutekunst and everybody's, you know. A little testy right now, and rightfully so, but I think some of these questions are legit. There's been times this season that this team, and coaching staff-wise and or talent evaluation-wise, has looked kind of foolish. And they don't like being questioned. But I'm sorry, okay, when, you don't, when you're not completely honest and you're forthcoming, you can get the follow-up questions. Uh, Rogers doesn't like to be questioned, but go all the way back to the immunization thing where he led people down a primrose path, well, damn it, now you're going to be questioned. You know, had you not done that to begin with and, and there was a, this give and take of trust, well, so be it. But I, I think that's that's a, a, an honest evaluation of, of 
you know, reporting and or being the eyes and ears of the fan and <laughs> for what we see on the field. You know, I mean, I, I know we're not all as smart as NFL coaches and quarterbacks, but sometimes when you look at it and it's a turd, it's actually a turd. And you don't need to explain it to me that it's something that it's not because we can see it doesn't work and it's a turd. Um, that being said, let's do this. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We're going to come back. Going to get into the rest of the NFL and start making our picks uh, around the rest of the NFL. Ben Kenny's going to join me, and uh, we'll start uh, going through all the matchups this coming weekend. Tomorrow night, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, obviously, we'll get into all of that. And we'll talk a little bit of spreads as well. We're brought to you by our friends at Bud Light, the official beer sponsor of the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. And they bring you the Bill Michaels Huddle. We are live out here. We're at DJ's Goalpost. We are in Menominee Falls on Appleton Avenue. Come on by and say hi. They're still giving away. Still giving away T-shirts. T-shirts, hats, all kinds of good stuff. Come on by. Get yourself a buy one, get one, and all that kind of good stuff on Bud Lights as well. We'll be back right after this. Here we go. This is the Huddle with Bill Michaels on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Welcome back to the program. We are uh, glad you're with us. We're broadcasting live. We're at DJ's Goalpost here in uh, Menominee Falls. Um, ben, uh, ben Kenny, we'll bring Ben Kenny in as we start to look around the rest of the NFL and uh, and talk about some of the spreads and some of the games and such coming up this weekend. Um, ben, we got a game on uh, Thursday night, and Vegas has to know something because the Jets are only a point-and-a-half favorite in this thing. Jaguars come in with a full head of steam. Trevor Lawrence, 24 touchdowns on a season. Does Trevor Lawrence get any love if the Jacksonville Jaguars actually make it into the postseason? Does he get any love at least as a runner-up or uh, maybe a distant third for MVP if he keeps him on track. I don't think he should necessarily. The start of the year was not good, but entering next year, no doubt his name will be in there. And he's playing crazy good football. Like that offense has been on his back. Right. He beats Dallas. And yeah, the division stinks. And Tannehill with the Titans is done for the year. So it looks like they actually could. They have an inside track at the playoffs. It is kind of a weird line with the Jets being favored with Zach Wilson starting. That It doesn't go well ever. <laughs> Jaguars on the road taking on the Jets. Do you pick the Jets at home or the Jaguars with the head of steam on the road? I have picked the Jaguars pretty much every single week we have done this. I will pick them again. Uh, I I hate to do it, but I think the Jets are actually going to win this game. Jets are going to go to 8-7 and seven on the season. Uh, as much as I want to see uh, Doug Peterson continue to do well in Jacksonville, I, I just think that the Jets' front, defensive front, is solid. Uh, they've been playing some decent football. I think, uh, you know, they, they Salah has them heading in the right direction. I think the Jets at home tomorrow night on prime video, which everybody – and this is actually not a bad game. At least, you know, we've seen some of these games on prime video. They're just like fillers. They're terrible. And this year I don't think they expected this Thursday night prime game between Jacksonville and the New York Jets to be anything to write home about. And this thing actually has playoff implications. So finally you get another good one for Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet on prime video on a Thursday night. So I'm fired up about that. Bill, I've you got the Bears at home. Go one ahead. final note on that game quick. The Philadelphia Eagles staff sent cheesesteaks to Doug Peterson and the Jaguars <clears throat> Excuse me, for beating the Cowboys last week. So you wonder how motivated they really? they're going to be after a hangover from eating cheesesteaks. <laughs> it's not about the hangover of being drunk on cheesesteaks. It's about the colon that is full of cheese. 
a little blocked up playing on Sunday so or playing on Thursday. So it, it takes a while for those to pass. I know I've, I've been there. Uh, you got the, the noon kickoff time on Saturday on Christmas Eve day. Buffalo is favored by six and a half on the road, though, in Chicago. It's going to be cold Saturday morning. Uh, we don't know what uh, kind of a hangover there's going to be left over from this storm that is traveling through the upper Midwest. It looks like farther north you go is where the more snow is going to be, but it is going to be an extremely windy day. I'm Uh, the Bears, uh, by the way, Buffalo favored by eight and a half. I said six and a half, eight and a half. Uh, I think the Bears cover in this one, but I'm going to pick Buffalo to get the win, but maybe by five, maybe seven. But I think that's going to be the extent of it because you're not going to be able to really throw the football, it doesn't look like, because of a really windy day at Soldier Field. Bill, I have my weather app up because this is, it could be the story of the weekend with the cold <laughs> everywhere. We know in right. Chicago it's going to be kind of similar to here. I'm seeing single-digit temperatures with a real feel in the negative 20s. So I, it could be like mm-hmm. startlingly cold, not only just late-season cold. I think the Bills win, right. uh, and Fields can play well when he doesn't have to throw it and the weather's bad because of his athleticism, but I think the Bills are too good. The Bears' leading tackler, Jack Sanborn, went down last weekend against the Eagles, so wonder what that defense will be like without him. I think it could be close just because it'll be freezing, but the Bills are used to that. They play in Buffalo, so I think they can win it easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got the Giants. They're on the road in Minnesota. No weather affecting this game at U.S. Bank Stadium. Minnesota favored by four. The Giants coming off of a big victory over Washington, which just a few weeks ago they ended up tying with them. Uh, and the Vikings coming off of that incredible comeback after and the Vikings believe now it doesn't matter. There's no deficit that's too big for them. They can come back and, and get the job done. They're favored by four. Uh, I am going to take uh, because I would like to see the Giants lose the last three and I'd like to see Washington lose the next couple as well. Uh, but I'm going to take the Vikings at home to get the win. I don't think the Vikings, well, maybe I don't think the Vikings cover. I think it's a close one. But I think the Vikings win at home and they knock off the Giants. Yeah, Bill, their team is pretty well suited for the indoors, right? Like we always see Dalvin Cook scampering <laughs> around on the on the turf and Jefferson going crazy. I think the right. Vikings win this one. I'm not all the way in on them as a contender, but after last week, you got to think the energy carries over. And, yeah, it's good for the Packers. Uh, you've got another noon contest coming up on Saturday in New England where the weather, again, is going to be rather brisk. Uh, you've got Cincinnati on the road taking on the Patriots. Cincinnati favored by three in this one. They need it. They have the top spot in the division. But, uh, you know, you don't forget, you've also got the, the Baltimore Ravens breathing down their neck. They've got to stay on top. They've got to stay high. Joe Burrow's been hot. they got to have pretty much everybody back uh, health-wise. I'm going to take Cincinnati on the road to get the win by four-plus. I'm with you on that one. It, the end of the game on Sunday, those things I don't think will carry over very well to the next week. And the Bengals are playing terrific football. I, I think Belichick is going to have to look inward and maybe change some things up around the organization, definitely quarterback-wise, but also maybe game plan-wise. Like, what they're doing has just not been working. They've won some games because they're solid, like the Patriots always are, but maybe some uh, institutional changes coaching-wise, offensive scheme-wise, coming in the offseason. I do think the Bengals win easily. 
Break up the Lions. Uh, they're on a roll right now. They're favored on the road by two and a half over the Carolina Panthers. Jared Goff, 23 touchdowns. Jamal Williams, 14, plunging into the end zone. And Anwa St. Brown, he's got six of his own, and he's closing in on a 1,000-yard season. Uh, I got the Lions beating the Panthers, uh, beating the spread as well. And uh, the Lions get the win, and they go to 8-7 and seven on the season. It is dare I say eight and seven for the Lions. Right, right. Break <laughs> them up. Uh, it, it's looking like a single digits game, but uh, you you know Dan Campbell can get his boys ready for some cold weather. So I'm with you. Uh, you've got the Saints and the Browns. Uh, it's in Cleveland. Weather's going to be terrible. Cleveland is actually favored by two and a half in this one. And uh, between these two teams, they've used quarterbacks all over the place. And uh, this one is going to be just ugly. Uh, I don't really have much of a rooting interest in this at all, other than the fact that I'm going to pick it. But the Saints are coming north. They play in a dome, and they play in the south. They're coming north to play in just horrific weather in Cleveland. I'm going to take the Browns at home with the run game to get the win. And their defense, I think, is flat out better, too. Yeah, I mean, the totals on these games look across. 32-and-a-half is crazy low. Right. And it could snow there as well. Even the the Vikings one is quite high. But you look at the Titans game we'll talk about. That's in the 30s. Uh, They are forecasting a rough offensive weekend. And, yeah, I think the Browns' defense is better. I need the Saints to keep losing, so I will take the Browns as well. You mentioned the Tennessee Titans taking on the Texans. The Texans... In Tennessee, where it's going to be 25 degrees with a wind chill that's going to put it right about 17. The wind will be brisk. Uh, the Titans coming into this game, three-point three point, uh, favorites. Uh, and over and under, when you get into that, 35-and-a-half in this game. Uh, both teams are going to try to run the ball. I just think the Titans are too much. They're too good. Derrick Henry's too good. The Tennessee Titans are not a good football. See at home, not only to get the win, but to cover. I think it'll be close. And it's only a three-point spread. Without Tannehill, the Titans just cannot throw the ball. Malik Willis is not really there yet, not ready. And the Texans have been frisky. They almost beat the Cowboys, and they took the Chiefs to overtime. So I'm going to pick an upset. Texans on the road to open the door for Doug Peterson to win the division. Patrick Mahomes, 35 touchdowns on the season. The Chiefs, 11-3. and They are at home, and they are 10-point favorites. The Seahawks come to town at 7 and they're still trying to cling to some type of playoff life. But if they lose, that is one of the dominoes that needs to fall for the Green Bay Packers to get the win. I said all along that the Seahawks weren't going to win this game. I think it'll be closer than maybe that 10-point spread. Uh, But it is supposed to be 15 degrees at Arrowhead with a wind chill right around zero. Uh, I'm going to say the Chiefs get the win going away. Uh, but it is going to be one of those lower-scoring affairs. I don't think it's going to be breaking. If I'm going to have to take the over and under, I'm taking the under. I'm not going to 49 on this. I'll probably go to maybe 42, 41, something like that. I think it's going to be a lower-scoring affair, but I think the Chiefs do get the win, and they get their 12th one of the season, and that loss for Seattle then opens one of the dominoes that needs to fall for the Green Bay Packers to get themselves yet another win and only have to climb one more team after that to get into the postseason. So I got the Chiefs winning. Oh, it feels like a shootout to me where the Seahawks get down. Geno Smith starts to cook (laughs) like the Chiefs defense isn't that good. We've seen shootouts with them before, and I definitely think they could score at will on the Seahawks. Bill, I think my weather app is gaslighting me right now because it tells me four degrees with a wind chill of negative 22. 
Now, it could just, the settings could be off, given what it's like here. I, I don't know. I don't know what the well, inputs are. Well, maybe you're are. more up to date than AccuWeather. Yeah. Uh, it, I actually just clicked on the AccuWeather you know? button and then scrolled down. Uh, so, yes, I, it, it's going to be okay. cold, but I think the Chiefs win easily. There you go. Uh, when we come back, we'll roll through the rest of the lineup. We'll get into the uh, rest of the Saturday games, uh, the Sunday games. you got a Saturday night game as well between the Raiders and the Steelers, and that was supposed to be the Franco Harris uh, welcome back game, the uh, 50th anniversary uh, celebration of the Immaculate Reception, and instead you know there's going to be a moment of silence after the uh, the announcement of the passing of Franco Harris uh, at the age of 72. What a, what a sad turn of events. And here's th- here's something else to think about when you talk about the three-peats of statistical deaths. Uh, you just had Tom Browning of the Cincinnati Reds who threw the only perfect game in franchise history. He passed a couple of days ago. Franco Harris passed. And Pele has now been admitted to the hospital as his cancer continues to worsen, and they do not expect him to be leaving the hospital. So Pele as well. Uh, but uh, sad notes, greats all uh, for sure. Now, Tom Browning's obviously not in the Hall of Fame, but he did throw a perfect game in Cincinnati. Uh, let's do this. We're going to step away. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. Second half of the schedule, including the Green Bay Packers on Christmas Day in Miami. Stay tuned. we got a whole lot more of the Bill Michaels Huddle wrapping things up here at DJ's Goalpost in Menominee Falls and Appleton Avenue coming up right after this. This is the Huddle with Bill Michaels. On the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Post. We're out here in Menominee Falls on Appleton Avenue. Another segment to go before we get out of here and still people coming in, enjoying the evening as the snow has really not, not started to fly too much uh, as of yet. Uh, going through the rest of the games uh, for this uh, for the matchups for this coming weekend. Uh, a noon game on Saturday as well. The Falcons are on the road taking on the Ravens. The Ravens have fallen off. They're out of the top spot in the AFC North as uh, the Bengals have taken it over. The Ravens trying to look to get back on track. The Falcons coming into town. Baltimore favored by seven. The weather's going to be cold again in Baltimore as it will be throughout most of the country, uh, the upper portion of the country anyway. Got the Ravens at home getting this one, but Lamar Jackson, man, uh, without without him on the field, this team is nowhere near the same football team, that's for sure. I have the Ravens as well. Desmond Ritter, I was excited for the debut last week, and he was okay. I had some moments, but not really raw. Yeah, no consistency there. And the offense didn't work any better than it was, probably worse uh, than it was under Mariota. And the Ravens defense is, you know, fine, uh, playing well. I think they win this game easily. A lot left to play for there. Big one coming up out in San Fran. It's a 3.05 kickoff uh, on Saturday. San Francisco, the 49ers at 10 and 4. Uh, Brock Purdy is the man, and uh, he is going to be taking on Taylor Heineke and the Washington Commanders. The Commanders trying to hang on and get themselves into the postseason. 
Uh, meanwhile, the 49ers, they've got a nice lead out there in the West. I just think the 49ers too much at home. That defense is too much against Heineke and company. I think uh, the Washington Commanders lose. So we got Seattle losing, which basically that would uh, eliminate them if the Packers were to win out because the Packers would overtake them. And the second of three losses will take place for the Commanders. They lose this one. San Francisco is favored by seven. I think I think the 49ers win and cover and get the win, knocking off the Commanders. It is not going to be cold in San Francisco, contrary to popular belief. That's like 60, isn't it? Yeah. 50, 55, 60? I think this is the only game the Niners will play throughout the rest of the season where I would rather have Brock Purdy over the quarterback they're facing in Taylor Heineke. Uh, the Commanders, I, I like their team. I just, on the road against that defense, Heineke will not be able to throw for much, I don't think. And then Purdy can just hand the ball off 35 times. So whether they cover or not, I think the Niners definitely win. The big one on Saturday afternoon is the Cowboys are at home. They're five-point favorites in this one, and question marks remain as to whether or not Jalen Hurts, an MVP candidate, is going to even be able to go with a bum-right throwing shoulder. Uh, the Eagles come in, obviously, the top spot in the division. They don't have to win this game. They're trying to hang on to the top spot overall, the number one seed in the NFC. Um, if Jalen Hurts does not play, I think the Cowboys win. I don't want to say going away, but they win this game easier. Uh, if Jalen Hurts does play, I can't imagine him taking off and running too much. The Cowboys are going to know that. Micah Parsons is going to be trying to feast on him. And don't forget, this is the I, Jalen Hurts. It's not all about him. Micah Parsons had some things to say. Eagles are going to come in loaded. Uh, but I think as long as Dak doesn't make a ton of mistakes, I think he, the Cowboys get the win. If Hurts plays and he plays well, then I would say the Eagles get the win by maybe 5-7. to seven. But uh, the way things stand right now, I kind of think there's no urgent reason for Jalen Hurts to come in and play in this game. So, therefore, I take the Cowboys by a slim margin. I think the Eagles win this game, Bill, no matter who's under center. Uh, they know a thing really? or two okay. about getting a backup in there and still winning games, finding ways to win games, no matter how well the backup plays, as we saw five years ago. I, I don't know. There's a flu bug running through the Cowboys building. Michael Parsons hasn't practiced all week. The team is doing a lot of talking, not a lot of winning. And the Eagles really just need either one win or one Cowboys loss over three games to clinch the one seed. I think it comes on, on Christmas Eve. And like Jeff Garcia did in 2007, Gardner Minshew walking off the field says, Merry Christmas, Philadelphia. <laughs> 2006. Then the night game Sorry. coming up. Uh, there you go. The night game coming up uh, on Saturday night, as I had mentioned, the Steelers, uh, what was supposed to be the celebration of the Immaculate Reception with Franco Harris on the field, now is going to be a moment of silence since Franco passed. Steelers at home. They're hosting the Raiders. Devontae Adam gets a nod uh, to the, quote, Pro Bowl, by the way. Uh, but uh, the Pittsburgh is a two-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. The Raiders have played better as of late. I still don't have a lot of belief in them. Uh, it's going to be an emotional night in Pittsburgh. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, those emotional nights, I, there, there's not a sense that they go well for the home team. I'm going to say the Raiders actually on the road get this one. It's going to be a really cold night, by the way, in Pittsburgh. It's going to be uh, right around zero uh, as far as actual temperature and probably about 10 below in uh, in in feels like temperature, but I'm going to still say the Raiders get the win in this one. I just think that the Raiders have some weapons that can get over the top on the Steelers. I think the Steelers win. Uh, I would have picked them anyway, but especially with the news of Franco Harris passing away, 
I, I don't know. Just teams after things like that happen, I feel like win more than not. So I will take the Steelers. Got an ugly one. Rams at home taking on the Broncos. Uh, we see the Rams stink, but I think they have a little more mojo than the Broncos do. I'll take the Rams at home to win that one with Baker Mayfield under center. Yeah, sure. As well. I'm not going to watch that. <laughs> Cardinals are at home, and they're taking on the Buccaneers who are trying to hang on to the NFC South. Uh, the Cardinals got beat last week. They've lost now two in a row. A couple of weeks ago, they got completely just obliterated by the 49ers. Cardinals stink. I'm going to take uh, this is a bounce back game for Tom Brady. They get the win on the road in Arizona. I'm trying to tie some Dabo Sweeney. Our program is made of NIL, <laughs> God's NIL, into this, it being on Christmas and all that, but I couldn't. Uh, I, I think the Bucks win. I think it's close, though. They look really bad, Bill, like really bad. Yeah. They look. They really do. They look slow, too. Uh, the Colts are at home after blowing a 33-point lead to the Vikings, taking on the Chargers. No way in hell. Their season's over. Saturday's done. I take the Chargers on Monday night to, uh, to beat the Colts. I am picking the Colts. Nick Foles. That's all. Nick Foles. There you go. And then the Dolphins. They uh, are at home against uh, the Packers uh, come Sunday. Miami has four-point favorites, about 60, some rain in the forecast. Uh, it's more Packers weather than it is Dolphins weather. Packers are starting to do a few good things. I just I, the, the 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 speed on the outside, the wide receiver position, and Tua playing well bothers me. Uh, maybe this uh, is where the Packers' hopes get dashed, and uh, the Packers fall to Miami uh, by we'll say we'll say that four point margin, three point margin, something like that. I'm picking the Dolphins. I'm with you, 35-32. I think Rodgers balls out. I think Christian Watson's great. I think Dobbs is great. The offense is terrific, but I, I just can't trust the defense to stop what the Dolphins can do. Yeah. That's it. That'll do it. Thanks to everybody came, uh, who came out tonight at DJ's Goalpost. Man, what a fun time. What a fun place. It's a tremendous sports bar. It's huge. So if you get a chance, come on out and spend some time out here. Maybe catch the, catch the game out here or games out here, as many of you have decided to do tonight, watching the Bucks and the Cavaliers. So uh, for everybody involved, whether it's out here on site, Ben Kenny pushing all the right buttons. Thanks to Mike Clements. Thanks to uh, Grant Bills of the Wisco Sports Show as well. Thanks to all of you for paying attention to us. Certainly appreciate it. Time for us to go. Have a go. The Bill Michaels Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.